Thank you for tuning in to Providence Leftist Radio, where we seek to form an army of leftists to take over. Just kidding. Kind of. Unless... This is Evan. I'm here with Alex and Andy. Oh my god. Hi, guys. Hey. It is a beautiful, overcast, gray, dreary day. I like that shit. Uh, It started pouring down rain the second the dog and I stepped outside. It sucked, actually. I just want to remind everybody, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of us without the disruption of ads and crap like that, please help us out by becoming a patron. Go to the Patreon. Give as little or as much as you want. Uh, and you can have access to more content and to, uh, you know, merch and stuff. And there's a new there's a new episode about the Kronstadt uh, Rising Rebellion, the T-shirt of which I'm wearing right now. And Alex does it, and he knows what he's talking about, and it's good fun, and everybody should know about it. So if you're able and you want to help us out and you want to help out some of these groups, because that's a lot of uh, where we send our money, and... Uh, again, if you don't want to hear stupid ads for like mattresses and stuff, uh, please do what you can. Join ca- the Patreon. I kind of want to do an ad though. Like, I kind of wish that I had the opportunity to like voice an advertisement. I do think that could be funny, but also as a person who listens to a lot of podcasts, I skip over like the first few minutes of every podcast yeah. because they're like, blah, 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 MailChimp, blah, 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 mattresses, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't care. That's why you have to embed them within the podcast. Well, that's also annoying. There is a podcast that I love, and they start playing the um, Golden Girls theme song every time they go into an ad. And so you know as soon as you hear the, like, thank you for being a friend, to skip ahead. And I really appreciate that. But also, it's very annoying when I'm driving to be like, ugh. Yeah. But anyway, as of right now, today it is Saturday, early afternoon. It is the 14th of August. We're somehow already in the middle of August. What the heck? People are thinking about going back to school. Halloween candy is on the shelves. We have a lot to cover today, I think. I've seen Spirit Halloween's already opening. Damn. Not opening, but being like set into their buildings, into the, like the, uh, the skeletons of um, business parks. Pop-up store. Yeah. Uh... There's a lot to cover today, uh, in general. Um, I am going to talk about gerrymandering, the re- the recent Rhode Island census. Who's gerrymandering? Well, Gerald? that's what I always think of, too. Like, Gerald? some guy with jerry curls, is just he, ma- he meanders a lot. <laughs> Gerrymander. <laughs> he meanders. He meanders a lot. Gerrymander. Um, with the jerry curl hair, do. And he like sings a lot of prints or something. I don't know. Yeah, that that fantasy can keep going, but I'm not gonna let it. Um, anyway, uh, so we talk about that. What else we got? I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with schools. Uh, re the uh, PTU contract that was signed a couple weeks ago, uh, which led, which is what led to uh, the mayor and the governor getting a little tiff outdoors, and also about the mask mandate. Uh, kind of stuff because that has been updated in the last couple of days or not i mean it has yeah it has i mean related to schools yeah specifically in schools yeah. do you want to do you want to get into that now because sure. maybe i haven't heard about this 
Yeah, so I mean, I'm talking like a few days ago, which we'll, we'll call it a few, like three, four days ago. Uh, the mayor, or not the mayor, the governor, uh, McKee, said he was like not going to take a stance That's on masks. Yeah. He was like, leave it up to the individual districts. Um, and then a couple of days ago, we'll call that two days ago, uh, Providence District and I want to say Barrington, maybe, district? We're like, oh, hell yeah, these kids are wearing masks. Absolutely, they're wearing masks in the fall. Definitely. So as a teacher in the Providence uh, district, now I know that we will be wearing masks. And I'm I'm grateful, personally, as a high-risk person who has dealt with a lot of similar issues that people with long COVID uh, have to deal with, you know, uh, kind of permanent damage to the heart and the lungs and mobility issues and all that fun crap uh i'm thankful for the masks uh and illnesses in general have gone down thanks to the masks not just covid but like other illnesses and so it's like good for people who don't have health insurance or people who don't have a ton of money who like can't go to the doctor all the time uh it's 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 working out great for for those of us who are down for it but there are a lot of anti vaxxers and anti-maskers who are like i'm not gonna mask my healthy child i won't do it freedom blah so uh so those are the people who are who are fighting and it it is it's going to be the parents that are well when you're a teacher parents are often a huge pain in the ass but they're gonna it's gonna be major this time just for clarity's sake the governor is not mandating mass but it's going to be a district by district town by town mandate right correct that's what i thought so that's what i meant by there has been no activity on the part of the governor he's not doing anything he's not doing anything no. uh, he was like leave me out of it and this is a this is i mean at least from my opinion this is uh part of the course man politicking this yep. is politicking this is because he's running for governor again and he doesn't want to upset those parents mm-hmm. that don't want their kids to wear masks or anything like that um just really bad politicking in my opinion yeah, I mean, I'm not voting for somebody who's willing to sacrifice children. I'm not going to vote at all. But still, who, why? Why are, why are we going to just sacrifice children? Children can get this virus and they die. And I under like I have read some of the parents' critiques and concerns being like, I'm not going to pump weird chemicals into my kid to keep them from getting the disease. Do you know what kind of weird chemicals they pump into you when you're in the hospital (laughs) because you're sick? Do you know that they gave me fentanyl while I was in a medical coma? That ain't dank, McKee. It's not. That ain't dank. It's not cool. And so it's like, yeah, if you really want to play with fire like that, I mean, I guess go ahead, but not with my damn kid. Absolutely not. Uh... So, I don't know. Thank you, Providence, for at least doing that. <laughs> for at least being like, yeah, we're wearing masks. Yeah, for real. And, uh, and we're, we're theoretically, or we are in actuality, going to be in person in the fall. Uh, but we'll see how long that lasts. Now that we're talking about COVID, um, the FDA, as of last Thursday made an announcement that they say that it's safe for immunocompromised people, which is 3% of the population, Mm -hmm. to get a third shot. The CDC has made a short list of people they think that are eligible for the shot. And the reason that's important is because of immunocompromised people make up 44% 
of the breakthrough cases. That's people who mm-hmm. are already vaccinated that mm-hmm. get COVID anyway mm-hmm. or get the Delta variant. Um, 44% of the people that are in the hospital for breakthrough cases are immunocompromised. So this third shot is of Pfizer or Moderna. It's not of Johnson & Johnson. And it'll increase the effectiveness from 33% to 50%. Hmm. So this is starting today on Saturday. And talk to your doctor if you um, have cancer, have HIV, are under medication that can lower your immune system if you're going through chemotherapy. And there's a few other very specific medications that Mm -hmm. uh, you might be taking that would make you eligible for this. But it's really important. Get your third shot. They're giving it away at hospitals, potentially pharmacies in the future. And um, if you haven't gotten any vaccination yet, I doubt if you're listening to us right now, you're one of those people. (laughs) But now's a good time to go and get more get your vaccination get your first one done and the the clinics are popping up all over the place i know that we are advertising uh, or at least i am advertising on the plr instagram uh there have been so many great grassroots efforts uh to make the vaccine accessible to all people so i'm a sovereign citizen there's no excuse and i am not getting your devil vaccine i'm gonna wear my cowboy hat around the city of providence rhode island the ocean state has nothing to do with cowboys <laughs> holding my guns walking down these streets and going to any building i want with no damn mask on and no vaccine i'm a sovereign citizen i'm sorry guys i gotta disagree with you here what two questions why are you yelling you're... and why do you have a southern accent <laughs> that's not a southern accent that that's a hodgepodge accent of what i imagine somebody that lives smack dab in the middle of the country talks like Mm-hmm. It's a okay. Kansas accent. But again, we're scapegoating <laughs> certain people when it's people like Brandy Lynn, like white suburban moms who are at the heart of who, the Brandy Lynn. She is the one who organized the anti-mask uh, rally last week. Oh man, did y'all hear about that uh, that nurse that was just injecting people full of saline instead of uh, vaccinations? There was For like a thousand, like hundreds of people. I, I saw it was a headline. You know, I grabbed it. It could have just been clickbait, but I was like, holy fuck. That is one of the most evil things. Honestly, there have been a lot of people in the medical field who are like terrifyingly really not down. It's true. But as a sovereign citizen, <laughs> I it doesn't matter to me because I'm making this joke because there were uh, uh, three people arrested in Providence with loaded guns claiming to be sovereign citizens. Are these the same Rise of the Moors that got pulled over on the highway? Or actually were over on the highway and got... No? (laughs) No, these are just some white people wearing cowboy hats in downtown. Oh, I was like, why are you making cowboy hat jokes? I don't think the Rise of the Moor group wear cowboy hats. hats. It's a very specific archetype. And in the uh, Providence Journal article even mentioned that, thankfully mentioned that one of them was wearing a uh, button-up blue collared shirt with the cowboy hat we know exactly the archetype i don't mean to to pigeonhole people but i know those sovereign citizens and i am one of them and i'm not getting no devil vaccine i mean i just thought that that was really funny there's a lot of sovereign citizens in rhode island I so guess. why why did they get arrested i mean it's not illegal to have loaded guns so that's all i know they had loaded guns uh, they were entering buildings. They entered one building where uh, the mayor, I think the mayor, still has an office. 
and yeah, uh, Providence Mayor Joseph Paulino Jr. Uh, they entered a building where he still has an office, and so I think that the police were worried that they were actually going after him uh, or something like that. And these are like 60-year-old, 50-year-old people. So is this a state where you can get arrested for like menacing or whatever? Because it's a you can open carry, mm. but you can't take it out and wave it around. But I'm looking over your shoulder, and it looks like they were arrested for possession of a firearm without a license. Ah, That's what which it is, is probably yeah. where the sovereign citizen thing. You know, you don't tell mm-hmm. me if I can or can't have a firearm. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, uh, I just thought that was funny. The, the, the sovereign citizenship in Rhode Island is bigger than we think. Uh, it's everywhere. It is. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my point. It's the point I've been trying to make. It's like we pretend like we're in all this bubble or whatever, but and maybe we are. But no, these freaks are everywhere, man. Yeah. Uh, Especially I've been I've been paying attention to the I've talked about them on previous episodes, but this like one, three, one neo-Nazi contingent of mm-hmm. white supremacists that are local to the area. They're all over the place, man. Like they're. They're not going anywhere. And the more we fight back, it, the more they're like, mm, got them right where we want them. The Antifas. The Antifas. The Antifas. I just think it's a Warwick thing, but I know that no, that's it's not also right. A it's absolutely not thing. just a Warwick like, thing. Waltham has a fuck, like this is Massachusetts, we're on a Rhode Island podcast, but Waltham's got a fuck ton of white supremacists yeah. over there. And uh, they're also organized, you know, it's not just people that are. Um, fucking idiots on their own time they're coming together and they're working together now these are not the same people as the proud boys in fact they have denounced the proud boys uh you know as being like fuck-ups you know they're like chauvinism is not it we are here to talk about white supremacy that's what they're about well but there are i mean i have been to events where the proud boys that were there were wearing their work uniforms so i'm talking Pawtucket Fire Department and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, well, they all bleed all the same. So they, ideally. Um. Yeah, I I kind of want to pivot away from talk about these guys because we get into it a lot, and I know that it's like a, a an activist podcast, but um, I don't think that these these organizations are really worth the salt. True. That Word. that they get, uh, especially when there are tangible leftists issues going on right now um there's the issue with the teachers union um it's not so much an issue just uh yes the contract was finally signed i mean it was voted like you know over a thousand people voted in favor and maybe like 25 people voted against it so it was like very very past uh and the contract is supposed to be more about addressing the systemic problems within uh the district Mm -hmm. so it sounds all well and good um you know the like benchmark type things are the uh you know teachers are now required to do things that they were pretty much already doing Mm -hmm. like going to teacher parent conferences or going to uh you know like family after school events and stuff just like trying to make it more of a community because, like, duh, when teachers are in contact with the families, things work better. Hello. Um, so, yes, that is now required. And then there are, like, uh, 
some like teeny tiny incremental pay increases <laughs> coming like i'm talking less than a percent <laughs> pay increase a lot of it will be retroactive though and then yeah move up the contract goes until 2023 i believe so the two-year contract and uh so you know we'll see what happens this is why andy you brought up recently why uh that uh alorza our mayor kind of went after the governor at Mm -hmm. at a water fire lighting and that was what it was about it was because there was not any kind of transparency about what was going to be in the contract until it was signed so alorza who you know i guess just as the mayor is like uh you know i care about what's going on with the kids with the education system uh you know, it was like, why won't any, like, I have no idea what's going on with this and no one can tell me, you're not letting anyone tell me there needs to be transparency. And so that was what the fight, well, but not even a fight. He just got in his face or like tried to get in his face. Tried to give him a rock bottom. Tried to get in his face, like pointed his finger in his face and like that was all that happened. But yeah, so that's what's going on with the contract. It was signed. It is happening. I had an interview yesterday wherein they were kind of asking me well will you go to these things and i was like well yeah but isn't that part of the contract and they're like oh yeah you're right <laughs> true so they're like extracurricular things they had to go to uh, sort of yeah it's like i mean there are uh events like yeah swim team uh well maybe but i'm th- like pajama Track party team? night you oh. know movie night whatever cheerleading uh, i don't think football so. i don't know i, I never grew chess, up in chess that, club in that culture so i have no idea i don't think elementary schools typically have that kind of stuff <laughs> oh yeah that's right you're right my bad yeah uh, i didn't know any i don't know anything about the the union contract but i just you can read it's available online you can read the whole thing now now it is yeah it's many many pages long um another thing worth bringing up in this episode uh is the the census data that just came out that everybody on twitter is talking about uh if you know how to read it uh, a lot of people don't really understand how to read it Uh, and a lot of people don't really give a fuck about the census uh how many people here did you did y'all take the census when you got it i did not i did yeah, well... But only because Alex bugged me about it. Because I think it is hugely important for the reasons that I'm going to talk about right now, and that is gerrymandering. Jerry curl <laughs> meandering. Um, so with the census data, there's the state of Rhode Island gets a new sense of who populates what regions of the state uh, and districts within cities and towns. And that means that over the course of 10 years, these populations change immensely uh, in terms of ethnic makeup, in terms of sex, gender, uh, and other measures that you're supposed to indicate on the census that you take. Uh, And politicians know that these ethnic, these class, we can say, even um, these sex, these gender makeups also have a huge bearing on uh, voter turnout in, in results of elections. Uh, so what happens is after the census I, census e, census is done, uh, a special commission is created uh, by the Speaker of the House right now, that is Joseph Shikarchi, 
and the head of the Senate, Ruggiero, um, and they get to choose members of this commission taken from their respective legislative bodies, and they each get to appoint three members from the public. So three public people that they can kind of choose whoever the hell they want. Um, and one of the critiques that have come out from the members that uh, Shikarchi and Ruggiero have chosen uh, is that, first of all, it is not in any way, shape, or form uh, diverse. It is made primarily of old uh, Rhode Island politicians, uh, particularly white politicians, and it doesn't reflect in any way the changing diversity of the state. Uh, I think uh, David Morales shared some of the census information that said that the Hispanic population of the state has increased something like 10% in the past 10 years or, or somewhere thereabouts. It doesn't sound like a big number, but it is actually huge, and it's enough to change uh, uh, elections. But if you have the ability to gerrymander districts, then that doesn't matter. And for any listener who doesn't know, gerrymandering is the process of drawing districts on a map. So if you take a map of the city of Rhode Island and you are in charge of redistricting, that means making remaking entire districts. So uh, uh, Fox Point could be expanded, it could be lessened. Uh, the south side of Providence can be expanded, it can be lessened, you can redraw it. Uh, supposedly to reflect the new uh, population numbers in those districts. But what happens is people like Kimball Brace, who was famous for having a license plate that literally, literally said gerrymander on it, come into these commission meetings uh, and they create the most uh, ridiculous maps that make absolutely no sense, which is why in certain towns and cities that you go in, uh, at one point you'll be in uh, Fox Point and at, you know, you, you step over one foot and you're technically in, I don't know, Mount Hope or whatever. Uh, because the parties in power in Rhode Island, it's primarily the Democratic Party in particular, they can redraw these maps so that the election results are by nature in favor of the moderate candidates that get voted into uh, the House and um, the Senate and also other higher positions, the governor and any executive office. And also, you know, that goes for school board and uh, city council and all of those other things. So it's an extremely evil way of manipulating elections. Uh, it's the most undemocratic aspect of American, quote, democracy. It is the most undemocratic uh, aspect of it. And it happens both on a state level and a town and city level, and it happens on a national level, right? This is why uh, you can go to a section of uh, Atlanta, for example, where the majority of the population is black, but for some reason, uh, it has been gerrymandered to such an extent that the white people that live in that immediate area, uh, their candidate gets promoted before the black candidate, the black preferred candidate does. Um, so it works on a national level. It works on every level of our government. Now, 
what's particularly problematic about Rhode Island is not only does is that brace guy that I mentioned with the license plate gerrymander, not only is he involved in Rhode Island's special commission for redistricting, so the, the genius of gerrymandering is uh, part of this process of trying to help the moderate Democratic Party of Rhode Island maintain its hold in legislative office, um, but the people that Shikarchi and Ruggiero picked are in no way reflective of both the growing diversity of the state or even true representatives of the public sphere. So to give you a, a hint, uh, their, quote, public sphere uh, choices for the commission, one of them is a CEO of some major corporation in Rhode Island. The other one is a real estate agent, a huge real estate agent. Two of them or three of them, I think, are former politicians of Rhode Island who fucking lost, right? They were voted out. And still somehow, Ruggiero and Shikarchi think it's a good idea that these losers should be a part of redistricting the state. You know why? So, they, so that they get renominated again. Uh, if they can redraw the map of their district so that people like David Morales can't win anymore, but they can win because now they have a whole new neighborhoods, whole new blocks that vote in favor of them, then they're going to be back into the state house. They're going to be back in the Senate or wherever you are. Uh, so this is a huge problem that's going on in the state of Rhode Island. I'm not sure how much power uh, we as individuals have over getting Shikarchi or Ruggiero to scrap the list that they came up with. Uh, I think the most that we could do as always, is probably call our representatives or call Ruggiero or Shikarchi's office and be like, yo, fuckhead, pick somebody that's more representative. Um, but as far as I know, the constitution of the state gives them the ultimate authority to appoint this commission, uh, which means that any overturning of it would be a violation of Rhode Island state constitution. I'm not positive about that, but I do suspect that that is what is going on here so in other words if you didn't do the census evan <laughs> you fucked us hard you fucked up uh and which is why when the census was going around even as somebody who identifies as uh a communist or anarchist depending on the day uh i was still encouraging people to do it because there are people's lives at stake here uh there are actual politicians in their district uh, who are doing good things for the people of their district who are going to be squeezed out by this whole gerrymandering process um, that, you know, we can't all be sovereign citizens, unfortunately. And that's my spiel about gerrymander. Now, if someone can draw me a picture of a guy with jerry curls meandering around downtown Providence, then... Uh, I would thank you very much, and that would be Jerry Meander. All right, what else is going on? Anybody got a reaction to that? Have you all read about the the um, this whole process that's going on? No, but I've heard you talk about it. It's a big deal. I mean, like people on Twitter are talking about it a lot too, because you know, for obvious reasons, the politicians that uh, unseated the people who are now a part of the commission are pretty worried about it because. That would mean that they would lose their seat if their district was redrawn. This is a big problem in the South, too. Um, 
with elections. Uh, Christ. Was it in Georgia this last year or the year before where um, lots of unfair um, unfair activity by the uh, local governments um, questioning the authenticity of, uh, of certain like uh, political practices there yeah. by the people on the ground. Yeah. And um, gerrymandering just, you know, slivers of, uh, of neighborhoods through different areas yeah. um, in their own benefits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you look at it on a map, just like you said, and it doesn't make sense. You know, these neighborhoods are, you know, chiseled out of like these, uh, chiseled out on a map in a way that benefits them and, and not the people that live within them. And uh, it's fucked up. It's another way to go around the system and uh, manipulate it against the people. And it's kind of fucked up that it's happening in Rhode Island. I really shouldn't be too surprised. But to know that a man that embodies it so much that he carries a title on the rear bumper of his car. He's proud of it, yeah. You know what I mean? That's uh, that's pretty frightening. Now, this guy, uh, Kimball Brace, as far as I know, is in Virginia, which is a also... A hugely gerrymandered state as well as Illinois and most of these states where in national elections when you look at the map of that state uh, it is all of the population centers like let's take Illinois for example uh, Champaign-Urbana Chicago uh, 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 Gary is technically part of Indiana but it counts they're all like predominantly blue, but for some reason, because the state has been so gerrymandered, uh, you know, a state like Indiana would go to a Republican, even though these population centers have are all predominantly blue, which means that the majority of the populations in a place like Indiana are voting blue, um, even though on a map it might not look that way. And Rhode Island, on the local level, is just as subject to this entire process, which is why... American democracy is fucking dumb. All right, let's let's just that's get, why let's just get it out here. It's a right? dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. Yeah, let's just get it out. Let's just air it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell y'all. Don't say it, man. Don't say it. American democracy is fucking stupid. Oh right? shit! It's dumb. Oh, man, it's the dumbest there. shit I've ever known. You know what? Other than uh, damn, I couldn't think of anything fast enough. But it's pretty stupid. <laughs> Other than the U.S. withdrawal of Afghanistan. Uh, the whole process of it that's going on right now and all the excuses they have for sending thousands of more soldiers there just to see the peaceful withdrawal of it. Uh, it's dumb. American democracy is fucking stupid. You know what's not stupid, though? What Fang and uh, Ram Incorporated, <laughs> Ram Inc., <laughs> did uh, over to Raytheon this last uh, couple of days. Did you, you saw about that? Obvi- you saw that, obviously? Oh, yeah, of course. Was um, it yesterday or the day before? Yeah, uh, so they went down to... Uh, Raytheon and this is the Fang Collective and also um, yeah Ram Inc yeah, resistance Ram. against military industrial complex bam there it is and they handcuffed themselves they had two cars one of them was a Chrysler uh, 300 and the other one which <laughs> like I'd like to I don't know if this is like just something like opportunistic where they just had this car and they used it but I think it was like a really nice stylistic point bringing a jaguar in there and then getting handcuffed to a jaguar anyway uh they blocked the entrances they did it for about five hours two people got arrested um ram inc had a great pr uh little campaign around this where they talked about why they were doing it and protest to the use of all of these um, missiles and armaments and uh, military technologies that are 
killing people all around the world. Um, specifically, they highlighted one um, wedding in which you know there was almost a hundred people injured. There was over twenty people who ended up getting killed. Uh, most of them being children, and um, yeah, so they're out there doing direct action. If you would like to help the people that that got arrested, um, go to at Fang Collective on either Instagram or on Twitter. You can also go to their website. They have a bail fund. They've had they've had running since 2020. Um, they've spent over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars on uh, getting people out of jail, and. Uh, yeah, so help out the good guys. They're awesome people. They really are. They're doing, they're they do doing a lot. great work. Direct action is super important. Um, getting involved would be wonderful for you, but even just uh, getting to know yourself, getting to know yourself uh, by researching and figuring out how you can help is a good, is a good idea. Raytheon is one of those corporations uh, that has offices and facilities in multiple places at one of the you know free palestine uh actions that we went to earlier this year i believe we stopped outside of some of their offices to yell at them because uh, they're you know like the largest many are one of the largest manufacturers of missiles that are killing people in palestine so and remember you heard us talk on this podcast about all of the local politicians that are taking money Mm-hmm. That was also referenced in their statement, too, mm-hmm. with uh, Jim Langvin and uh, Jack Reed. Jack Reed, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. We've talked about it. We've posted about it. So if that tickles your fancy, I urge you to look into Fang and what they've been doing, what they're up to, and how you can get involved to make the force stronger. Ooh, I said force, and then a car drove by. That was, that was a natural PLR new soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you're part of Ram Inc. or you know someone that is, tell them to reach out to us because I did some research trying to find them on social media and their websites, and I have not been able to uh, get them. Yeah, the dudes from uh, Left Flank Vets also reached out to us to try to get somebody involved with that protest on, but I haven't heard back. So if you know somebody, uh, send them our way. I'd love to get them the connection because, you know, in leftist circles, I think the more publicity you can get for something like trying to raise money to get people out of jail. Uh, and also why, how important it is to do these protests and do yeah. these actions, you know. Exactly. Um, I got a question, though. Is RAM really incorporated? No. I don't, I don't think they have an LLC or anything. Yeah, I don't understand leftist orgs that, like, put ink at the end of it. Well, that's... Um, is it ironic? Is that what it's supposed no, to be? No, it's part of the acronym. I'm not sure the ink stands for incorporated. That's the industrial complex. Yeah. The military. Oh. <laughs> Resist and abolish the military industrial complex. Oh, see, that makes sense. But I've definitely seen leftist orgs that have like ink at the end of their name. And it's like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. And that ink. Wait, I want to talk about my favorite part of this protest, which was in that like little tan chrysler or whatever the air freshener that was hanging from the rear view mirror i just thought that was a lovely little touch <laughs> what color was it? Mm, you know? red maybe Ooh, cinnamon. could be i like cinnamon i don't know i don't remember that's brave for I an air just, freshener i usually I go with something was... neutral sure i like the black ice oh, i was gonna say i hate ice. the black ice it smells um, like cologne yeah but that's why it's funny to me that's true what do that you like funny. do you do you rock the cinnamon 
Pine. Pine all the way. I do pine. I guess that's okay. Pine. The blue one is not bad though, but the blue one just smells like the new car scent. It just smells like uh, cleaner. Like they some, all smell gross. Like pine smells like I mean, cleaner too. It just smells like pine salt. If you see, if you grew up using pine salt, then maybe, but I didn't, so I smell it. And I'm oh, like, so it's exotic to you. Yeah, it's exotic. <laughs> exactly. It's exotic. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got for today. Uh, we have the Ocean State Green Party on as guests um, for the second portion of the show. Do y'all have something you want to bring up before we... I just want to plug on the 21st, uh, there is a, an effort by the Incarcerated Workers uh, Organizing Committee, uh, which is not local, but they are uh, asking for uh, different cities to mobilize in a, in a mass day of action against uh, the carceral state. So we are going to organize, some, or we have organized uh, an event outside of the Wyatt Detention Facility on the 21st that is a saturday i think two weeks from now uh at 2 p.m and it is a day to honor the people who have been detained and and tell them or show them that we have not forgotten about them we support them we're working for them we see them we love them and we're not going to stop until they're home uh it is so the it's a shut them down event which is you know so think about all of the uh, prison industrial complexes, so like the ACI, ICE detention facilities, uh, military things, there are other things going on in other cities that you could look at, but if you are, if you give a damn, I hope you do, you will show up with friends and noisemakers and a mask, hello, to this event on the 21st, 2 p.m. outside of the Wyatt, so that we can uh, connect with those folks that are being unfairly uh, imprisoned. Yeah, even if you only have like 10 minutes in between your nap and your Twitter date, just come out just show up for that, that 10 minutes and be like, you know, solidarity, then get to your... It your really, it makes a huge difference. I don't know if any, if y'all have been to any of these events. What always gets me is when the people are on the inside are banging on the windows it is so heartbreaking, but it's also them communicating with us. We hear you. You hear us. We're all here together. Uh, super, super great. Second half of the show is the Ocean State Green Party. And then the music that we have for this week is Smith & Whedon. If you've been to Nolan's, then is he? you have met probably uh, Jesse, one of the members. So enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to the interview portion of the show. We are here with the Rhode Island Green Party representatives. Uh, do you guys, do you want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Well, first one is, we're actually the Ocean State Green Party. Ocean State Green Party. That's yeah. Right. I guess we'll get into why we're the, it's the Ocean State Green Party, not the Rhode Island Green Party later. Okay. Yeah. I'm Andrew Stewart, and I'm the treasurer. And I'm Ken O'Connor, and I'm the uh, secretary. Okay. Uh, awesome. Now, so I guess seeing as we started with it, why don't you? Why don't one of you uh, explain why it's the Ocean State Green Party instead of the Rhode Island Green Party? Sure. <laughs> I. Do you want me to try this one, Ken? Yeah, you go for it. Okay. So um, 
the Green Party of Rhode Island has existed for more than 25 years in this state. And um, they have a set of politics that we disagree with. Um, and many of your listeners who have been around in radical spaces and politics over the past 25 years may very well also understand what I'm talking about very clearly. Um, they are, with all due respect, a pretty liberal organization. And so what happened is last year, um, they refused to endorse or support the presidential ticket of Howie Hawkins and Angela Walker, who were nominated at the National Green Party Convention. Uh, their argument was anyone but Trump, vote for Biden, blue no matter who. Um, and without going too far down that rabbit hole of a debate, uh, that's a violation of the National Green Party's accreditation requirements. You are required as a member of the National Green Party Federation to endorse and support uh, the national presidential nominee. And so myself, Ken, and a few other folks filed a grievance with the national party and that led to the Green Party of Rhode Island disaffiliating from the National Green Party. And so we are restarting from scratch as a new organization that wants to eventually become the accredited Green Party in this state. Wow. A full schism with the Rhode Island Green Party then. That's pretty amazing. That's so punk. So you so y'all are actually continuing on the legitimate legacy of the Rhode Island Green Party, whereas the others kind of like split off from the main um the main party line. Well, yeah, maybe it's a little more complicated than that because um, I do feel like there has been a conflict between liberals and socialists in the Green Party mm. since the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that schism manifested itself in this way last year. So we're, we want to build a, really a new tradition. So I wouldn't say it's... Say the, the Green Party nationally, we are more in line with at this point in time. There's still... It's still an ongoing process, um, but we do feel we will be accredited once we once we get to that point. We feel like we need to build the party up a little more. Um, so you know, we, and one reason we picked Ocean State Green Party was, you know, the Green Party of Rhode Island still exists. They're not affiliated with the National Green Party, but they still are a pack in Rhode Island. So if we went Rhode Island Green Party, it might be a little confusing. We kind of we just settled. We kind of thought Ocean State Green Party sounded nice, in addition to being you know different enough from Rhode Island Green Party. So, yeah, you know everyone here knows we're the Ocean State. You know our Twitter handle is RI Green Party. For anyone outside of Rhode Island that might you know not know what the Ocean State is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's a big, yeah. Um, going going back to that schism, did you do you feel like um, the division is so big that it it is an endemic thing, as if 
as in like it's worthy of creating a whole different party and it wasn't just like particular to that election uh yeah so i'll just put it this way the national organization that's now known as the green party of the united states has gone through a couple name changes over its last 30 years um that was a marriage of convenience at the outset between liberals and socialists um and ralph nader in 1996 and then 2000 was very successful at bridging that gap and bringing those two constituencies together but it was not going to last because mm. the republican party has gone so far off of the rails that the liberals fundamentally are just eventually going to end up becoming democrats and also the political polarization of the last 15 years uh 10 15 years maybe um we're seeing an increasing level of division so that liberals in this turn they're actually it's like becoming a minority in the voting public yeah yeah so you think that it's like a it's a lasting separation right there has to be this split between uh liberals in the green party and uh socialists in the green party yeah, I think it'll last. In fact, the, the youth caucus of the Green Party is now called the Young Eco Socialists. And um, as of 2016, the platform, the national platform, has been um, explicitly anti capitalist. The like, national not, platform? Not as perfectly as I wanted to, but it's, it's going in the right direction. <laughs> the national platform, right? Yeah, I was going to ask next about uh, your platform, the Ocean State Green Party's platform. Are there any points uh, within that platform that stand out as different from, for example, uh, DSA or the Progressive Democrats or anything like that? Um, one of, I think this is, you know, Ken and I have had this conversation a few times about the difference between strategy and tactics as opposed to ideals. The major difference um, is independence from the Democratic Party and refusal to support Democrats. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to something very, very important to understand, especially in this state. Um, we have seen repeatedly on both the national level and the local level the fact that the democratic party effectively and successfully gets rid of its progressives and uh makes it so these people trying to enter and change the democratic party from the inside uh do not have much success um, they'll either uh, put them into marginal committees in their state house work mm -hmm. so that uh, they're not able to really have effective outcomes or the Democrats will outright finance a challenger during a primary a couple of years ago that happened with Moira Walsh for example mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, you guys have any questions before I keep going? Well, what was it about the Green Party specifically that drew you, and why did you each individually choose to become involved? Well, yeah, I can answer that. So I, it was the Nader came, the Nader campaign in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Now I've dated myself a little bit. But, I'm um, with you though. Uh, when I think Green Party, I think Ralph Nader and the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the Beastie. I know they. Were, there were a lot of um there were other musicians I remember. Mm-hmm. Um uh like Eddie Vedder, uh Ian DeFranco. There were there were a bunch of them that were supporting the Nader campaign. Um I actually I didn't I mean, as, as cool as that was, like I, I, I knew about Nader before them, so you know, I was ahead of them, but you know. But no. <laughs> but uh, it was actually I it was randomly I happened to watch um on C SPAN the Green Party convention, and I had no, I had never heard of the Green Party. Uh, I think the Libertarian Party convention was ending. I had never heard of that. I watched a little bit of that, and the Green Party convention came on. Oh, what's this? I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it a chance. You know, it, it, it they had um, actually Jell Biafra was one of oh. their presidents. Yeah, he was, he ran. He knew he was going to lose, but he wanted to get you know his fans involved in the Green Party. So there were uh, a few different speakers, and then Ralph Nader came on. Again, I had never really—I was 24, you know—I hadn't really lived through the the years where Nader was more active. Um, but they had a little um, video, kind of that kind of showed his career and, like, you know, through mostly through video clips. I'm like, okay, this guy seems interesting, and he started speaking. And when he started speaking, it was like I was already very cynical politics you know you know it was pretty obvious that politicians would say what you, you want you know what you want to hear and they were just kind of and the two-party system just didn't make much sense to me so he started speaking of things that i either wanted to hear but never heard other politicians say or he was saying things i never even thought about but as soon as he was talking about them it made so much sense to me so it was like finally i there was someone i was inspired you know and i I, you know, worked on, I, I convinced my dad to vote for, you know, I did convince as many people as I could, but that's kind of what got the ball rolling and like, not just um, in Green Party politics, but leftist politics in general, because you, you just don't hear about this stuff on mainstream media. So that was kind of just my door into um, the greater world of like more radical politics. For me, um, you know, I am from Warwick and I therefore was eyewitness to a lot of the backroom shenanigans of the Rhode Island Democratic Party. A very long time ago, I came to the realization that the Rhode Island Democratic Party is really just, its leadership is just the uh, high school reunions of Pilgrim and Tollgate and Cranston Mm -hmm. East. And, uh, you know, it's a bunch of macho jocks that you kind of wanted to keep away from in high school. And that's what's in charge of that party. Um, and that's who's pulling the levers. Uh, so for me, there's a realization that the Democratic Party is not going to be able to be changed without an external third force. And then, um, 
the other part is that there's kind of a big question for me, and it's one that I think the Green Party can explore. What is eco-socialism? Because if you're looking at any of the reports from any of the UN panels on climate change, we're in a big mess, mm -hmm. and uh, things are really bad, mm -hmm. and we need to act quickly, and um, also uh, there's the catastrophic reality of environmental racism in mm -hmm. South Providence. Mm -hmm. The Port of Providence is a giant, polluting, toxic waste dump. Yeah. And yep. have uh, black and brown and indigenous neighborhoods that are uh, basically sacrifice zones. Yeah. They've got some of the most astronomically high infant mortality, postnatal, maternal, and mortality, uh, respiratory illness, low birth weights. These are things that you would absolutely abhor if it were happening in anywhere else in the uh, state. But because it's South Providence, it's allowed to happen because mm -hmm. of the white supremacy that's ingrained into the structures of the state. And if you go kind of like in a France Fanon kind of way, you know, he says the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Those people deserve to have the quality of life and uh, economic justice substantially increased in a meaningful way very rapidly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Andrew, we've talked about this because you and I are both teachers. I did my student teaching at Pilgrim. <laughs> so I'm like, if those people are going to become representatives, I'm terrified <laughs> of yeah. what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and Ken, uh, what's it like? <laughs> what's it like having faith in politicians? <laughs> what's it like <laughs> feeling like there's somebody that has your best interests in mind? Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it's, uh, You know, I love to have faith in politicians that are actually elected. Mm. And I think, unfortunately, the, the way the system is and the way it's ruled by big money is, is why we don't have uh, very many of those politicians elected. So I guess it's like I have faith in people trying to change the system, not really in politicians. Because I, I think, you know, the Green Party should ultimately be beyond politics and beyond you know, party politics and mm -hmm. just getting to um, the root, you know, the things Andrew was just talking about, that the, the two main parties generally aren't talking about. They're definitely good people, you know, that well-meaning people and, and, you know, that are Democrats are trying to change things. But I think the people above them that run the party are not letting them change things in any meaningful way. So, um, so basically, it's you know having we got to have belief in ourselves, not in politicians. We got to have belief that we can change the system. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate how y'all are you know acknowledging that it's not individual citizens or whoever individual people uh, who are responsible for what's happened and for what's going to happen. It is much more of a systemic issue. Obviously, we know that, but. 
I'm glad that it's being acknowledged elsewhere. Just to uh, piggyback off that, and because, uh, Andrew, you brought up eco-socialism, one of the first half episodes that I did for this podcast was an article by Murray Bookchin, who is like more or less the progenitor of eco-socialist ideas today. They have the whole uh, school of um, social ecology in Vermont, or I think it's based in Vermont. Um, But I wanted one of you to just explain really simply for listeners what is eco-socialism, because it seems like that's what that's the ideological premise of the party that you're trying to form. And that alternative of which you and Evan and Ken were just talking about in terms of changing the system. That's a really good point and a really good question. Um, I will say that um, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is avoiding having a very top-down heavy ideology. With all due respect to a lot of folks that are in different formations, be they socialist or communist or anarchist or whatever ism, uh, they my experience has been that oftentimes you get into these groups and it's very dogmatic and almost religious. It kind of reminds me of my experience with the Catholic Church, (laughs) like right and wrong and political lines like that. So what is eco-socialism? That's kind of an open question. Mm -hmm. We still haven't really figured out all the stuff. There's been some great stuff that points out some important thinking and like Marx, Bookchin has some great stuff Um, but there's a lot of things that we still need to hammer out Uh, part of it definitely is conversion to renewable energy but also um, what are the ethics with that? If you want to talk about hydroelectric go to anywhere in the south or the west and you come in contact with a lot of indigenous Uh, communities and a lot of fishing populations like fishermen and they saw their livelihoods made a lot more miserable by hydroelectric and so uh, you know what are the ethics and the implications there's a lot of uh, stuff that still has to be hammered out and explored it would be great to see infrastructure convert to uh, things like a decentralized power grid where you have solar panels on the top of public buildings uh, because we've seen definitely in the past 10 years a lot of hurricanes that take out the centralized grid. And I would just add to that that you know, capitalism isn't going to solve these problems. Capitalism is not going to refurbish everyone's house because there's not enough money in that. So that's why socialism but also eco-socialism because you know socialism or socialist governments in the past haven't always you know worked along ecological uh parameters parameters right so we have to you know in as we see with all the forest fires i don't know if it's in siberia there's fires that the smoke is getting to the north pole like this is where we're at so we need to get serious we can't green capitalism isn't going to solve this so I feel like eco-social, eco-socialism is like it was just a very easy term to understand, ecological socialism. Um, and like Andrew was saying, this is something we can 
figure out um, de de democratically, and I want uh, people to know that you know that we are a you know, dues-based membership party. But to if you want to join our meetings, we have one every other Sunday. We have on this Sunday. You can you know send us a DM, send us an email to OceanStateGP at mail.com, or go on Twitter. We're at RIG Party. We're on Facebook. You can search Ocean State Green Party there. Join our meet. You don't have to be a member to join our meetings, to talk to us, to, to, to give your ideas and just discuss, you know, the ongoing uh, <laughs> crisis that we're all in together. So I just want people to know that, um, you know, we, we, our dues aren't even that much, but if you want, if you want to get involved then you know, you can, you can figure that out on your own, uh, you know, as you wish, but um, just want people to know that. Yeah, I, no sorry, go ahead. I, I yep. am from the deep south, so I have experienced for my entire life of normally years how uh, hurricanes and, and such uh, destroy everything, but how we are creating them as humanity, by, that's what I mean by we, humanity, um, but again, it's corporations that are doing it. But um, we also saw, that was my dog yawning, uh, we, we also saw, was it this past year, I guess, when there was like the catastrophic like snowstorm or blizzards in Texas, which I don't count as the south, by the way, but it is south of us. <laughs> it's the southwest, okay? That's a different thing. Anyway, <sighs> anyway, yeah, we saw that, you know, the, the grid threw everybody for a loop and was like this this big problem so i guess i just want to see if or like i want to challenge people to care about something that's not directly impacting you you know like let's think about the tons of people who are in the south that this that are being impacted by this kind of stuff and this is i'm talking poor people broke people people of color people who you know were born in the south and aren't able to leave for whatever reason but I, I've noticed, especially uh, with, you know, boomer generation, that they don't care about things unless it's directly affecting them. So I just want to, like, put out a call to action, basically, for everybody. Please care about something that's not just about you. Please care about something that's happening to everyone. Right on. Totally. Can I make just, like, a... I'll talk about one real scenario that's very direct and local. Absolutely. So one thing that happened a few years ago in Warwick was they cut down a whole woodland area by the highway and the airport. You see it, the solar farm when you're driving mm -hmm. out of the airport on the highway towards Providence. Some folks may know where I'm talking about. They might also drive by it on, I believe, Kilbert Street. Uh, there's a few problems with that. First, you're cutting down important environmental woodlands and we need as many trees and envi natural environments as we can get at this juncture, um, especially with issues of uh, carbon and other greenhouse gas emissions. Second, um, that disruption of the environment, I mean, we now see deer running around a lot of Warwick these days and 
you know, I like deer, but deer ticks are and Lyme disease are a real phenomenon. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you're disrupting that environment. You're creating ripple effects. Third, if you have solar panels and they're in a central location, uh, you're going to end up having people cut off from the grid when a tree takes down your power lines. So that's meaningless for the people that actually are in that area that's cut off from the grid because their power lines go down. What's the solution that I think the Greens have spoken to previously? And it's decentralization of the power grid, which means solar panels, windmills, and other uh, renewable energy generation sources on each individual house and also public buildings. Like imagine if you put a solar farm on the roof of a big high school, that's a lot of solar panels. If you put a lot of windmills on there, that's a lot of wind energy. Mm -hmm. And then you're decentralizing the grid. So each house is self-sustaining and able to generate the power that it would need while the power, the main grid is down. You're not going to get that from national grid. <laughs> national grid wants to maintain the centralization of the grid because that's part of their larger profit motive uh, system. We do have solutions, even in the last century, of America being able, via electoral socialist politics, to make these sorts of changes. Um, some folks who are a little familiar with lefty history will know the history of the Debs party with what were called the sewer socialists. These were people who got into the electoral realm as third party electoral socialists. And they brought about the rollout of indoor plumbing. And nowadays we have mandatory indoor plumbing as a building code and a basic utility. You aren't gonna get capitalism to serve these things, but you can use the method of the state to mandate these things. And this speaks to something that I think I respect Bookshin a lot. I enjoy him, especially his polemics about people he didn't like. They're very enjoyable. Um, but the abandonment of the state by our anarchist comrades, I see that is missing a very large component of struggle when it comes to ecological and environmental politics. And it's the fact that you can use the state as a mechanism to bring about positive social change. Yeah, I think yeah, that's especially right. relevant right now, thinking about mask mandates and stuff. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I yeah. yeah, I would just say, you know, we want the state to be as accountable as possible. Um, I like to think of myself as having one foot in, if you want to call it statism, one foot in like, you know, libertarianism, just, you know, there needs to be, I, I feel like there can be a balance. If there, if, in any way, I'm a centrist. It's like between statism and <laughs> anarchism. But um, yeah, I think the state has a role, but it needs, we need to have more democratic control over it. Um, uh, by way of transitioning, uh, what do y'all have going on for Rhode Island for listeners if they want to get involved besides the biweekly uh, meetings? Are you, are you putting candidates forward or... Uh, holding any events in the coming year. I think there's an election year coming up too. Yeah, in fact, one 
well, what we'll be talking about our next meeting is um, we're working with um, we want to <laughs> yeah, yeah we want to plug in and we're just at the very start of plugging into the People's Port Coalition just trying to start that out now um, and that's going to be our first big uh, project yeah. project right now we're a very small group uh, and we have meetings and we're hoping to recruit more folks thanks to this wonderful opportunity with you, yep. uh, your listeners. Yeah, so we'll be working with the People's Port Authority. We're gonna be canvassing, putting information out. We're having um, an informational meeting, what is that? In October. October. Um, yeah, we'll be putting uh, like flyers out fairly soon, at the end of the month, I think. And um, so, you know, that's just one campaign we're working on. And, um, you know, after that, we'll, we'll see where we go. But, yeah, we don't know about political campaigns yet. Um, you know, if possible in the next election, next year in 2022. But right now we don't have um, – we just – like I said, we, we, our main focus right now is to build membership. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to run a campaign, you know, without a, a real infrastructure to support it. Um, and what if you are to get a candidate in next year uh, what are some of if not the biggest uh, priority in the state of Rhode Island or in the city of Providence either one um, as far as the platform goes um, well um, to be quite honest we've got a platform um, we're interested in having folks that are interested in these these principles and ideas come forward if they would like to run, that's great. Yeah. Um, the uh, important thing though is uh, to understand that um, we kind of have to, as Greens, owe the fact that a lot of folks who have tried to do Green Party politics in this state have unfortunately uh, kind of made some mistakes that we want to own proactively and try to do some repair for. So um, if a person comes forward and wants to run as a green, that's great. And we're happy to support them. But uh, simultaneously, um, I think one of the priorities that we've talked about is really based around uh, the direct action part mm -hmm. um, because that builds the base mm -hmm. um, if you look at like the history of the socialists or the communist party they did a lot of uh, stuff like organizing in communities around tenant rights or unions mm -hmm. or uh, racial justice campaigns or a lot of other uh, more direct action stuff before they started running, running candidates um, my own and this is just my own I don't want it to be implied it stands for anyone else but my own impression is that um you build the base and then the political candidate becomes the kind of highest uh example of that base coming to a new stage like a higher stage of um political engagement so that's where i'm at I really want to do a lot of activism and engagement and campaign building that 
would attract potential candidates, but also build a larger organization first. Yep, totally what Andrew said. And But for anyone that wants to see our platform, it is on our website, which is um, oceanstategp.org. So any anyone who wants to get involved and you know, you know what eventually the, the platform we would run on, um, like I said, we're focused on building the party right now. But we did work on our platform earlier this year took like four months. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, but I'm really happy with it. And like I said, it's on our website and you can read through it there. And um, our bylaws are also on our website. The website looks pretty good, I gotta say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Broadly, myself on the back. <laughs> yeah, he's done an excellent job. Broadly speaking, one of our uh, things is we're anti-imperialists, intersectionalists, and eco-socialists. Eco uh, so if folks are attracted to those three major pillars or principles, we would love to have a conversation uh, about eco-socialism. We don't want to be a cult or an <laughs> overly dogmatic sect. We want to be a large organization. So no matching outfits is what you're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. All right. Fabulous for that shit. People can see... If, we, if people can see the Zoom, we, we, you can see we, me and Andrew don't match. It's so very basic. They don't know that. <laughs> Fashion is important so, to me. I'm a double Libra. It matters to me. <laughs> we ready for fun questions? Yeah, can we ask you some fun questions now? Please. Yes. All right. Uh, pancakes or waffles? No. <laughs> Ken's head explodes. <laughs> okay. um, I, I get the motherfucking French shows. Ooh. Oh, all right, all right. That counts. That counts. I'll, I'll say waffles just because of the little. Thank you. With the, the maple syrup and you know. Yeah, they get the. Everybody loves that part. Everybody talks about. They're that. designed perfectly. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Wait, what? Blueberry pancakes are pretty good. That's true. Yeah, they are. Yeah, you can add all kinds of stuff. Ken, I'm going to blow your mind right now. Blueberry okay. waffles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you start putting too much stuff in the waffle batter, it won't hold its shape. It gets too soggy. Maybe. Maybe. That's just science, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you out. If you... Uh, we're running for office. Which musician or musical group would you want playing at your rally? Oh, good question. The cast of Rocky Horror. Original? <laughs> the original cast? <laughs> oh, that's too sectarian for me. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's been redone. I can only ever think of... The movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I don't know. My like depends on what mood I'm in. I I can go very Pink Floyd type stuff, but of course I'm not gonna get Roger Waters to. Well, who knows? Yeah, you um, never know. <laughs> you never. Know. I mean, this is hypothetical, right? This is in in a perfect world. Yeah, sure. So here's here's one for you guys. If we were to have a contest launching Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders out of cannons at the same time, who do you think would fly farther? Bernie Sanders. I think he has the right balance of weight and length, whereas Donald Trump 
would kind of just go down like a weight. Like, it'd be like, boom, bonk, right down. You know what I mean? But Bernie Sanders, he'll launch a little bit further. And then, yeah. you know. He's more aerodynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And Donald, Donald Trump's got that hair that would maybe create some uh, drag resistance. Yeah, you could go off path. You, know? you could deviate. He's not yeah. buoyant. Mm. Alexander Coburn also used to call Sanders the hot air machine, so I think ah. that would add to it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, all right, uh, your favorite uh, um, uh, Gatorade flavor. Yeah, Gatorade flavor, color, whatever. Green. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? There is no green. It's like a yellowy green. All right. Uh, yeah, yellow green. All right. Andrew agrees. See, yeah, that's the one. Um, your favorite uh, mythical, dark, like gothic mythical creature, like vampires, wolves, witches, ghosts, zombies, blah, 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 whatever. A Democrat that's actually changing the party from the inside. No! <laughs> <laughs> mythical creature. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Uh, Mothman. Mothman? Ooh, yeah. All right. All right. Um, Even though it's not local, it's still, it's just, it's, it's the Mothman. Sure, sure, sure. Well, as a Southerner, I appreciate that. Um, ice cream or Italian ice? Oh, Italian ice. Ooh, I didn't expect that. You didn't? There are ocean staters. It's true. Yeah, I guess. Well, is, does Dell's count as Italian ice? I guess. We'll count it. Yeah, we'll count it. Yeah. That's Rhode Island Italian ice. It's like lazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I, I'm out. Oh, we've done these so many times. How can we not remember these? That French toast comment just really it threw me off. Threw me, destabilized yeah. me. French toast. Uh, <laughs> are you cat or dog people? Cat. I, I have two cats. Okay. I never actually owned a dog. I'm not trying to. I like dogs, like other people's dogs. Mm -hmm. I'm just barely. You prefer to have cats. All right. Andrew, what do you think? Uh. Well, if I'm not running around in Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman outfit, uh, definitely <laughs> a dog. How often do you run around in Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman outfit? And can you share? Uh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. What do you think of this dog? Can you see this dog? What an oh, adorable dog. dog. It's like a cat dog. What's, what's this doggy's name? This is Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne. I love it. Mm -hmm. He's very old and lackadaisical. Does he eat bats? <laughs> he does eat bats, yes. If he could catch Wonderful. Them. Yeah, right. I'm sure. Yeah, he's uh we had another dog, Ronnie James Dio, but you know. Ah, didn't ooh. work out. Didn't now work who out. okay, who for Black Sabbath singers, Ozzy or, or Ronnie? I'ma go with Ozzy, but yeah. I also really like Dio as Dio. I think Dio is a better singer. Yeah, of Ozzy. course. But yeah, Ozzy just, I don't know. He's Ozzy. Yeah, Ozzy so and Sabbath, I... yeah. But Dio is a goddamn legend. Dio's amazing. You can't beat Dio's vocals. Fucking tear up. No. 
And he was I the inventor of this thing. What? What's up? Frank Miller or Alan Moore? Mm. Frank Miller. Yeah. Mm. Oof. Gotcha. I'm I personally like Alan Moore, but I totally understand the Frank Miller impulse. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is an impulse. You're right. This is exactly what it is. What's your favorite movie genre? Do we like movies? How do we feel? I am a film major in recovery from... <laughs> I actually was a film major, too, for a couple of years. With both. Yeah. Um, for me, honestly, uh, like, science fiction, like, you know, like, space, any kind of, you know, whether it's aliens, it doesn't matter, any kind. Star, I feel that. Star Trek fan, Next Generation, especially. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, but also kind of more, uh, like, not horror but kind of like um just weird anything that's weird <laughs> okay all right all right andrew spooky. okay andrew what do you think favorite genre oh my god you're asking me to make sophie's choice um <laughs> that was a movie yep yeah. um i have a lot of uh feelings around uh, the Western, especially John Ford's movies, mm-hmm. um, The Searchers, which is his, it's a very fascinating instance of a f- former friend of the Communist Party trying to make an anti-racism movie mm-hmm. using that genre, mm-hmm. which is kind of a contradiction in right. and of itself. Right. Um, That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, he, he directs and produces it months after the Brown versus Board of Education and uh, decision. And so it, the script is very much about school integration and uh, issues of racism that arose from that decision. Um, the other, I really like uh, animation that's gauged towards adults not necessarily like adult animation per se as much as stuff that's just like acknowledging that adults can be in the audience and enjoy the movie as much as a kid Mm -hmm. uh so that would span everything from who framed roger rabbit to Mm -hmm. hayao miyazaki to Mm. wally wally um, I, I but made also... that up. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually like adult friendly. He's trolling you. Yeah, I just like Wall. I just like the name Wally. My mom loves it. There you go. <laughs> so it so so it counts. All right. But also like Japanese animation uh, mm-hmm. that's been very popular in the thirty years, like Akira, Ghost mm-hmm. in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The newer, or actually, and the original Samurai Jack is like very adult. Uh, adult animation too. Cool. Any other questions? That's all I got. Mm-hmm. I just want to know. I just want y'all to come on one of my solo episodes now, so we can talk about leftist movies. Feels like Ooh. it's meant to be. Yeah. So we all do half episodes. Uh, I usually do like a theory piece, or I have like a a academic in some field on and ask them questions about a book or a reading. Evan does movies and Andy does more literature style stuff. So awesome. I think I listened 
you, you did one on Carl Sandburg, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Andy. yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the most recent one. Yeah. What'd you think? Terrible. Oh, really? Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was, um, I only, I didn't really know who he was that much, so now I know. Hell yeah. The working man's poet. Thanks for listening. They call me the working man. Sorry. <laughs> As a little POR, got my, my singing voice on record now. All right. Uh, thank you all for coming on. Um, do you want to just shout out your Twitter and Instagram or website stuff one more time for listeners? Sure. Yeah. On, I mean, you can Google Ocean State Green Party and probably find everything. But on Twitter, we're you know at R.I. Green Party. Um, Facebook, I think it's Ocean, Ocean State, State Green Party. Party. Yeah. I oh, know it is, but I think I forget what the actual address is. But And uh, Instagram, uh, Ocean State. The Ocean State GP. I don't know. Search it. Search Ocean State Green Party. We're on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> our website is oceanstategp.org. And from there, it links to all of our social media. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> just another day. Maybe this will go away, she said. Yeah.